David asked the question. He wanted to give the appropriate response to God's mercies in his life in the old covenant. And he said, what shall I render to God for all of his benefits unto me? What, what can I show him how much I appreciate his mercy, his grace, and all that it has granted into my life? What shall I render to God? What is the acceptable sacrifice of praise and worship that God will receive from me? And I believe the question is rhetorical in a sense. David knew what to do. David is known for what to do <laughs> to show gratitude to God. In Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all, everybody say in all, that is within me. Bless his whole. See, David didn't dance before the Lord, uh, you know, kind of, uh, kind of. He danced before the Lord vigorously. No. <laughs> no, he didn't dance before the Lord vigorously. Amen. The, the river dance people can dance vigorously. Can you say amen? How did the club on, on, I've heard, I haven't been there, but I've heard that out of the clubs in Ebo City on Saturday night, there's some people out there dancing vigorously. In fact, back in the 50s, I used to dance vigorously. Not very well, but it was vigorous. <laughs> no one could deny it was vigorous. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Praise God. Amen. But, but the Bible said that he danced before the Lord with all of his might. And it must have looked kind of, well, for a king to do that, he had to take off that royal robe. He had an undergarment, a robe under a robe, you know, thinner, and he had to pull it up in order to dance the way he danced, had to tuck it in his belt. And it, I can almost visualize this. He looked like a guy in an oversized diaper. And he's, he's dancing before the Lord with all of his might. And his wife is doing this. Kind of like Pamela does when I do certain things sometimes. Amen. But, but no, not, not, not because, not the way she did it. She was ashamed of his worship. And I'm going to tell you something. If you get beside yourself in a worship service, there are there are religious groups today that would be ashamed of your worship and my worship because it wouldn't fit the protocol that they have for worship. The Lord is in his tabernacle. Let all the world be silent before. Well, let the world be silent. We're not the world. We're the children of the king. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name, and forget not all of His benefits, who forgiveth all of thine iniquities, who healeth all. There it is. Come on, you can't, have, you, you can't have a God that forgives and delete the God who heals and delivers. Can you say amen? Can you say it a little louder? 
Hallelujah. You can't have one without the other. We're trying to today. We've got an anemic church, an impotent church, but we've got an all-powerful, almighty, never-changing God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name and forget not His benefits who heals, who forgives some of your iniquity. All? All your iniquities? And heals sometimes arbitrarily. You don't know what to expect from him. David said, I know what to expect from him. I know exactly what to expect from him. Bless the Lord who forgives all mine iniquity and heals all of my diseases and satisfies with my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. And delivers my soul from destruction. And at that point, I think David went, Woo! Amen. God did all that under the old covenant for those that would look to him, knew him well enough to trust him for it. And here we are in the new covenant. We've got a better covenant. Somebody say that one ain't bad. But this is better. This is better. Because the blood of Jesus Christ speaks of better things than the blood of bulls and goats. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So we, we, we need to move into this better covenant today and receive all that his suffering has provided. I'm going to tell you something about me. This is my personal perspective. Uh, I don't want to be healed. I do want to be healed so that I'm not sick. But I don't want to be healed just because I don't want to be sick anymore and uncomfortable and dysfunctional. I want to receive what he has suffered to give me. I want to receive and represent what he suffered to give me. He suffered to grant me something. I don't want that suffering for that something to be in vain. I want to represent all that he suffered to grant me. So that he can be glorified. I don't seek nor want anyone's pity. I don't want to be like the song that was made popular some years ago. Poor, poor, pitiful me. That's a song. Linda Ronstadt made it popular. It was written by the guy who wrote the Werewolves of London. It's a crazy song. But it's about a guy that so much bad stuff or a gal, so much bad stuff that's happening to, they've got the poor old me's and they're singing the blues. Poor, poor, pitiful me. And there's so many Christians singing the blues. Poor, poor, pitiful me. That is not representative of the greatness of our God. That is not representative of the goodness of our God. You are not poor. Spiritually, and you are not pitiful to be pitied. In fact, you're to be envied. Hallelujah. Because who has a God like our God? So nigh us in all that we call upon Him for. Can you say amen today? Amen. If you got that in your tape player, well, your disc player, Take it out immediately and put in a song of victory. Praise God. We're going to save Jesus. Thank you. And we're going to get into the word because I believe it's time to do that. Oh, no, 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 it isn't. 
There's a healing song to prepare us to receive. Hallelujah. Somewhere we will find it. There it is. I saw that. I saw, I saw, I see with my eye. Amen. A healing song up there that I didn't put up there or know was going to be up there. And it's not exactly part of the, the references to the blood, but it's the fact that through that blood and through his body, his body and his blood, everybody say his body and his blood. There's a purpose in the breaking of his body. There's a purpose in the shedding of the blood. And it's a twofold purpose. He forgives my iniquity, all of them. He heals all my diseases. That means healing is not a New Testament concept. There's a man that's got leprosy. I'm preaching part of the message now before communion. He's got a Hebrew servant girl in his house. He's an Assyrian captain. He holds high rank in Assyria. But you know what he has to do now that he's got leprosy? He has to live in seclusion. He can't go to any of the grand dinners and things. He has to live isolated from others, even his own family, lest he give them the leprosy. He's going to die a very slow, agonizing death while fingers fall off and teeth fall out and his nose deteriorates and his body ultimately is going to fail. And his and and he's got a he's got a servant girl that is Hebrew and she knows something about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she said, There is a God down in Israel. Hallelujah. And he can take care of your problem because nothing's too hard for him. Can you say amen? And we got a covenant with him, and part of that covenant is healing. I'll put none of these diseases on you that I put on Egypt because I am Jehovah Rophi. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Can you say man? Hallelujah. There's a prophet down there. There's a prophet down there. There's a prophet down there. You need to go see him. Hallelujah. He represents this God. You need to go knocking on his door. And this guy didn't say, you don't know what you're talking about. He didn't try to do what the modern church is doing today. And that say the days of miracles are over. We should not expect any of these things to occur. That's all gone and all of it is bogus. No, it is not. I want to receive what God has provided for me so he didn't suffer in vain to give it to me. And I want to walk in that, amen, as a direct confrontation to those that say he don't do it anymore. And for everybody that says we quiz this person and that person, we couldn't find one person. J. Vernon McGee, I love, the, the, I love good Bible teaching. But he said, I'll give a million dollars, which he didn't have to give. But he said, I'd give it if I had it to anybody that can prove to me one miracle is occurring today he didn't believe that God did anything supernaturally today but I don't know when he got to teaching on prayer what he taught about amen because if God answers a prayer it don't matter if it's for your your dog's sore on his back if God answers the prayer it's a miracle because a miracle simply stated without being complicated is a supernatural intervention in the normal course of human affairs. If God does anything, he still does miracles. 
So there's no point in praying for America if the days of miracles are over. Because if God does something to send revival to America, a miracle is occurring and has occurred. Can you say amen? But this Assyrian king didn't do what they're doing today. He ran to that house. He had to learn a lesson about pride and humble himself. Praise God. There's some people who wouldn't, wouldn't darken the door of a Pentecostal church because of their pride. I had a man that came to our church just a few years back, and he said, I got friends that would come here, but they won't. They know you're a man of God. They know this is the true word of God, but they won't because of their pride. And I thought, what are you going to do with that pride when you need to deal with God? Are you going to stand in that pride? You know what? No wonder people are not being healed. It's not because God doesn't heal. It's because God resists the proud. But He gives grace to the humble. Son of David, have mercy on me. Bring that man to me. Can you say, man? Oh, I don't know if you're getting all of this. Praise God. I'd rather be here with a few that will humble themselves so God can help you. Amen. Than to be in a church of a thousand too proud to bow. Can you say, man? I feel good about being right where I am with the people I'm in this room with today. Because God can do something in here. Hallelujah. And God wants to help you today. And God wants to heal you today. You can't have a Savior without a healer. Amen. He heals all of thy diseases after he forgives all of thine iniquities. If you have your Bible, will you please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 2 for just a few moments before we receive communion. And I pray that we will not just qualify to receive physical healing, but every need that we have in our life. That God has addressed through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. That every one of those needs be abundantly met. Hallelujah. For he hath given us through him and because of him all things that pertain to life down here and godliness. Everything to live a life down here that is representative of the watch care of a faithful heavenly Father has been given. It's already provided for us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So it's up to us then to receive what God has provided through Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 5 in verse 2. Purge out. I mean verse 7. I'm sorry. Did I say Corinthians 5? And verse 7, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you, have, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Already. Paul is looking back to the Passover in Israel as a type of Jesus Christ. And really the Passover, while not directly talking about Jesus, but the power of the blood of a lamb when applied, supplied by the lamb and applied to the doorpost. Jesus, our Passover. He said, you won't get Jesus and what he's done for us in its fullness and in its, in its glory unless you understand the Passover. 
and understand that Jesus is our Passover. In effect, Jesus is our Passover lamb. Amen. It's his blood and his body that was sacrificed for us. I'm going to say this again. I don't want you to get under a guilt trip today because the devil is a master of condemnation. Amen. I want you to clearly understand today that Jesus is your Passover. That's why when John saw him, John the Baptist, he, he's, he knew he was a great prophet. He knew he was, he, was, he was like no one else, the only begotten of God. But when he saw him coming, he said something that must have absolutely astounded everyone who heard it. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Everybody say the Passover Lamb. Behold, the lamb. they got it because in that sacrificial system, the primary animal, there were other animals used, but the primary offering and the perfect type of Christ was always the lamb. Always the lamb. Always a lamb. That's why John in the book of Revelation, amen, when he said there's no way the earth can ever be redeemed from the, 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 the tarnishment that sin has brought, the destructiveness that sin has brought. Man can't be, live a perfect life. There's no way he can get back a perfect world. And he wept because there was no one found in heaven, no one found on earth that was worthy to take the book from him that sits upon the throne. That book was significant because as each seal is opened of that book, the tribulation is begun and each seal is the purifying of the earth. So when, when Jesus comes to rule and reign and we come back with him, amen, it will be like it was, amen. There will be people living here, but for the kingdom children, it will be like it was in Eden for us. We will literally drink of that. We'll eat of that tree that the angel kept them from eating of. We'll drink from that river that he said they couldn't drink anymore, the tree of life and the river of life. We'll eat it, and we're going to drink it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Jesus, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So if we're going to understand Jesus being our Passover, we need to just take a brief look at the Passover. And if I can find my glasses, we'll look at it. Hallelujah. Otherwise, I'm going to have Mike come and read it. Can you read small print without glasses? Okay. Young whippersnapper putting us all to shame here today. Let's go back to Exodus. We won't read the whole thing. But you know, the last plague... The final plague that God sent when he said, set my people free to get them to let my people go was a death angel that was going to pass through the land in the evening and every firstborn of every family was going to be stricken with death. So he tells them what to do to make sure that they were not part of this terror that is coming in judgment to Egypt for refusing to let God's people go. They didn't just refuse to let them go. They thumbed their nose at God. Who is God that I should obey him? Well, they're, going, they're already finding out. And this is going to be the final thing that he does to get them to realize. You're not dealing with a bunch of Jewish people that you have enslaved all these years. You're dealing with their God. 
can you say man and I am the God of all flesh and and so this this was the this was the plague this was the plague that was coming but he wanted to make sure his covenant people were secured from that judgment that's an important concept, isn't it? People that say we're going through the tribulation. I know the scriptures. I understand. And I believe where the misconceptions are. It's not that I'm right and everybody else is wrong. The Bible's right and all of us are wrong. But the Bible has to be rightfully divided. It's true that natural Israel is going to go through that. And on some occasions he was talking to Jews that are part of natural Israel that are going through that time. But for the church, Jew and Gentile that have been redeemed, God has not appointed you to wrath, justifiable anger, but to obtain salvation. And believe me, the tribulation, it said when one of those seals was opened, uh, it said, it said God revealed himself as judge and everyone, small and great, stood before him. Rich man and poor man, bondman and free man. And they cried to the mountains rather than face him as judge when judgment is falling. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. You see, God has committed all judgment to the Son. He's the judge, but he commits judgment to the son because it's the son that he sent that has been rejected. It's his blood that has been trodden underfoot. Can you say, man? And he has the right to be the final judge. And that's why when he was revealed in the book of Revelation, if you're looking for the Jesus that rode the donkey and let them take him to the cross, if you're looking for that Jesus to come back, that's not the one that's coming. Uh, that's not the one that's coming. The one that's coming is the one John saw. I heard a voice and it sounded like Niagara Falls. It sounded like the voice of many waters. I turned to see the voice that spake unto me and his hair was as wool. He's the judge of all flesh. Can you say man? Hallelujah. His eyes were a flame of fire. Justice. Wrath. Righteous indignation, the wrath of the Lamb. It sounds contradictory that the Lamb would also be such a roaring lion of justice. Listen to me carefully. Too many people have a concept of Jesus as that beaten down, just bent over, oh, oh, poor, pitiful Jesus. We're not here to, to get you to sympathize with Jesus. We're not here to trigger your emotions on Communion Sunday. We're here to get you to understand that he was not a victim on that cross, although it sure looked like it, didn't it? Amen. It, it looked like he was victimized. He wasn't. He was a victor on that cross. The Bible said he triumphed over Satan because of the cross. And if the devil knew his plan, the princes of this world would have never put him on that cross. Amen. Instead of wanting to kill him, they would have defended him. Don't shed a drop of his blood. Amen. D don't do that. But he, he, they thought we've killed him. I, I mean, hell must have had a big party while he was in the ground. Oh, there must have been shouting, dancing. The devil must have been rejoicing. He must have been dancing like David with all of his might. Amen. But something happened, didn't it? 
Something happened. Something happened. Something entirely unexpected, not only by his disciples, but unexpected by the devil himself. Something happened on that third day. This Jesus revealed himself as a victor, and through the cross it said he has destroyed. He didn't realize it, but he hath destroyed. He hath. It's done as far as God. Not destroyed him as an entity. And as an influence here on this planet. But as far as being able to hold anyone who comes to Christ by faith in any kind of bondage. He hath destroyed him. Triumphing over him in it. And it is translated the cross. What we're celebrating here today. Hallelujah is the victory of Jesus and the vanquishing of the devil. And it all happened at Calvary over 2,000 years ago. That's why I don't go out to get the victory. I go out to demonstrate a victory that's already won, and thereby I have the victory. Thanks be unto God. Death is defeated. (laughs) And the Bible said if death is defeated, the devil's got to be defeated because he has destroyed him that held in bondage through the fear of death, everybody on this planet. But once death is defeated, that, that bondage is broken, and we can go free from anything. Praise God. If you're not afraid to die, you're saved. Really saved today. Amen. There's a lot of people start praying different kind of prayers when they're facing death. I've been in rooms with people that were prominent members, Bible-toting, Scripture-quoting people that were prominent members in, in big churches, but when they were facing an operation or facing death, they wanted to know they were right with God. Amen. Can you say amen? And you're not right with God because you're Bible toting. And you're not right with God because you're scripture quoting. You're not right with God because that you're a prominent member of some big religious organization. You're right with God because you have applied the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. By faith to your heart and life. You have repented and received Jesus as your Savior. And all the benefits of the cross have become yours. Hallelujah. This is not going to stop with you guys. You're going to get blessed and be blessed and be a blessing. But it's going to go beyond you guys. If none of you got what he provided, somebody up online is going to get it. If nobody in America gets it, somebody in Germany is going to get it. And if nobody in Germany gets it, somebody down in Africa is going to get it. It's not going to stop here. Why would the devil fight us over this puny little ministry? Because it's not puny. Because it's not going to stay within these four walls. Because it's going somewhere. Because we claim to promise. Psalm 107 and verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. Can you say man? These are instructions to be delivered from all. Destruction. Satan is called Apollyon, the destroyer. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ said, but I've come too. And I've come to give you an option. And I've come to give you an opportunity. Can you say, man, I've come to give you life. And that, he's called... It's amazing how the devil wants to turn the tables around. They call Jesus Beelzebub. 
which means prince of the flies, which means the flies that come and, and, and come where there is a dead carcass. And he was the exact opposite of death. Satan is the prince of death and dying. Jesus is the prince of life and peace. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, let's look at the Passover real quick. If we can do this quickly. This is what he told them to do. Verse 5 of Exodus 12. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep. And or from the goats. But you'll separate that lamb. It is said by Jewish scholars. That they would take that lamb. And they would separate it from the flock. They would take it to make sure nothing happened to it. Because if it got a blemish. If it got an injury. Then it would not be pure. For the offering. Amen. So they would take it and separate it. And they would bring it into their home. And it would literally be the little pet lamb. I don't know if you've ever seen a little lamb. But but, uh, the thought of slaying that little lamb. It's a sobering thought. Why? Because of the innocence. Because of the innocence. Because of the innocence. Any animal that is slain. To me, it's horrifying to, to see an animal killed, not for meat and not for food and not for safety from a lion, but literally killed because of someone's sin. And why did God choose that blood had to be shed? Because he wanted us to never lose the understanding of what an offense sin is to him. Today, in modern, postmodern church world, sin is not a big deal. It's not made a big deal. It's the three-letter word, four-letter words, threw into the sermon by some progressive preacher that considers himself with it and cool. No one gasped at that anymore. But the three-letter word caused us to gasp today. Mention sin to God's people. Because there's a hyper-grace message that says... Being obedient to God would be a work, and we're not saved by any work, only by the blood, so I'm free to just do what I want to do. No, you're not. No, you are not. No, you are not. That's a doctrine developed by the flesh to accommodate the flesh, and there's no need to crucify the flesh if it don't matter what you do after you get saved. Why in the world, to follow Jesus, would you have to deny yourself? Why in the world would you have to take up a cross personally in order to follow Him? If it doesn't matter. If you listen to the teaching, the blessing of obedience, I believe it will bless you. But what will really bless you is you make a commitment to start obeying everything you know that's the will of God for your life. He's a good daddy. He's a good Abba Father. Amen. What he tells you to do is not to hurt you, not to keep you from being fulfilled in life. It may keep you from being embraced by the people you work with. Everybody say evil communication. Corrupt good manners. Now, I thought of Emily Post and which spoon to use. (laughs) I thought of saying yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. But that's not what it says in the Greek. That's not what they heard. It means evil companionships corrupt good morals. You're going to win them to Christ or they're going to cause you to compromise your convictions. 
in order to have their friendship and acceptance. I said something on our, on our broadcast that I'm going to reiterate it here to you today. Peer pressure is not just for adolescents and teenagers and high school students and college students. Peer pressure continues into adulthood. There's going to be pressure on you by your peers on your job, the people you interact with. There are going to be friends and family members that are going to pressure you to be accepted by them to compromise your personal convictions, the things that you know are right for you to do before the Lord. And you, as a full-blown adult, are going to have to choose, just like the college student, the high school student, the junior high student, and the adolescent, you're going to have to choose. Come out from among them. Come out from among them. And be ye separate. Does that mean self-righteous? No, it means you're going to serve God. And it doesn't matter what the cost is. You are committed to obey God. There will be family members reject you. Your enemies shall be they of your own household. You will have no enemy in your household if you drink with them, talk with them, smoke with them. Amen? They're not going to kick you out for going to church. They're going to kick you out for living for God. The average church member fits in on Monday, blends in, got a dirtier joke to tell than the person who's telling the dirty joke, ready to laugh at the dirty joke, idolize and talk about the, the, the stars that have set themselves up as, as role models and icons to be applauded in this world, wanted to be accepted by the world, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And the test of loving God, if a man love me, is obedience. The test of love is not singing a sentimental song on Sunday morning. It's obedience. It's not so much what we do in here, it's what we do when we walk through those doors. The values that we embrace and the values that we enforce in our homes and in our lives. I'm so glad I lived the life before my son. I'm so glad he didn't see hypocrisy. I'm so glad that it's for me and my house. As long as he was in my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, when he got out of my house, he went nuts. Amen. He went crazy. But while he was in my house, there were rules. And it's not just rules for him to obey. It's rules that I adhere to. As a Christian father and a Christian man. Amen. And I could have more fellowship with him. If I didn't adhere to those rules. That God has set down for me. And I love my son. I think I was a good buddy to him. We used to go to Malibu. Anyone know where Malibu is? Back when it was full of pinball machines. You get me around pinball machines. And I'm, I'm lost in the 50s. Can you say, man. I used to, before the bus come, I, 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 would, I would take my lunch money and play pinball. After I bought my cigarettes, I'd play pinball. I started smoking at an early age. And, and so I spent my money. No wonder I weighed 122 pounds when we got married. 
I wasn't eating well. <laughs> I, I, I spent my lunch money, 35 cents, on a pack of Lucky Strikes. <laughs> or Then I finally got into, uh, I'm moving on up. I got into Marlboro. I was a Marlboro man. Oh, friend of mine. It was so good when God set me free. It was so good to be free. I'm glad my I'm glad my lungs don't represent all of those years of what they would look like right now. My lungs are clean. My lungs are clear. I can breathe deep and I can breathe good. Hallelujah. The Lord didn't take something from me. Amen. He blessed me to be free from the things that are 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 are, are just absolutely wrapping up other people. If you got something in your life, God loves you. He'll set you free. Free, if you want to be free, praise God. Amen. Don't know where all we were going, but let's get back into this for just a moment. Take a lamb. Take one without any blemish on it. So they would take it into their home. They would take it into their, 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 their children's life. Everyone would fall in love with that pure little lamb until the time come to take that lamb and slay it. And spill its blood. Listen to Christ our Passover in type. Is being represented. In the Passover lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Or male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep. Or from the goats. You shall keep it up. Until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly. Of the congregation of Israel. All the covenant children of God. Shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood, strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses, wherein they shall eat it, wherein they shall eat it. If you stop with striking the blood, just so the death angel will pass over, that is an incomplete picture of the Passover. You don't just kill it and strike the doorpost. You eat it. You eat it. You partake of the flesh of it. There's a benefit in that. That God has in mind. Listen to it carefully. Didn't Jesus say partaking of him involves his wholeness. Not just the parts that we want to put the premium on. But everything that he is. And partaking of everything that he has done for us. Unless you eat of the body. There it is. We've got an imbalance here. Yes, the blood is the most prominent. And yes, it's the only saving part of this. But when you go for your healing, when you go for your deliverance, when you go for His help in the time of trouble, it's all under that heading of God's salvation in the Old Testament, which means His deliverance. His deliverance. His deliverance. Can you say amen? God's people need to understand there is nothing too hard for Him to deliver you from. If you want to be right with Him, you can get right with Him. If you've got a habit you can't give up, He can deliver you from it. 
And don't get this crazy attitude, I'll give it up when He takes it from me. He ain't going to take it from you. You're going to have to put it on the altar. But if you put it on the altar, you're making your body a living sacrifice. And the moment you do, amen, there's nothing, there is nothing, there's nothing that God won't deliver you from. Someone said you can't make a, you can't make a purse out of a sow's ear. God makes some beautiful purses out of Sal's ear all the time. In fact, he don't even need the ear of the Sal. Can you say amen? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's not some old stumbling, bumbling, bound up by the devil, amen, person who can't, who, who is dragging around chains that he can't get free from. That is not representative of the salvation that Jesus came. He said, go and preach the gospel and heal the sick. Go and preach the gospel and heal the sick and cast out devils. Did he say that? Was it just the twelve apostles? It said he anointed another seventy and he sent them out. Well, now you got seventy that wasn't part of the initial twelve anointed and sent out to do this. And they got out there and found out there was more than them. There's some people out here casting out devils and we told them to quit it. They're not part of our denomination, organization. He said, listen, he said, no man that cast out a devil can speak evil of me because it's only through him it can truly be done. Let him alone. Devil's comfortable in church today because ain't nobody going to kick him out and ain't nobody can cast him out. So he comes to church and sits on the front row in some people. Yes, he does. There's some people will come here to church have no intention of getting right with God. The word is not going to help them whatsoever. Until they are brought to a place of humility and repentance. Our prayers are not going to help them. Our prayers will help them be brought to that place. And I'm going to tell you something. I prayed for my son for 50 years. Started praying when he was a child. Amen. And headed astray. And I prayed almost 50 years, over 40 years for him. Amen. But I got to see him come in. I got to see him humble himself. I got to hear from his, my grandson and his son that heard my daddy praying to, in his bedroom aloud to God. I got to hear him confess Jesus as his Savior and his Sovereign and his Lord and Savior. Got to hear him speak of Jesus as my King, my King, my King. And I thought he's changed masters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has changed changed masters glory to god and he knew he knew he knew he's, he didn't have any faith to be healed because he knew he had did this to his own body through acute alcoholism over decades he knew but he knew and longed for that body that was promised him and that's why he came to me and he said dad brother aren't you sad sometimes i just want to see him so bad I just want to hold him. Yeah, 53 years old, I want to hold him like I did when he was a child. I'll get to hold him, and it won't be very long. I got my three score and ten. I'm headed home. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm on, I'm on the last lap. 
I'm way behind Brother Taylor. He's running in front of me. Praise God. Trying to beat me, but he's not going to. Jesus may come and we'll both just get caught up. Hallelujah. It could happen. It could happen. Brother Vimble, don't you feel a defeat that your son didn't get saved? Come play music? No, I feel disappointed. There's a difference in disappointment and defeat. I am not defeated because my son did something more important than just coming and playing music right here. And listen, he finally, finally surrendered. He finally came to know Christ as his personal Savior and confessed him as his King. Can you say, man? And when he came to me and looked me in the eye, he said, Dad, if if I beat you to heaven, don't worry about me. I'm ready to go home. And he didn't start talking about heaven anymore. Every reference to heaven, he started talking about home. David put it this way, I go to my long home. Long home. This is a short trip down here. I'm looking at younger people out here that think, boy, oh boy. I got a long time to go before I'm old as Brother Venable. Honey, one day you're going to look in the mirror and the old guy's going to look back at you. And, and it ain't going to be a long time. You think it's going to be a long time before an old lady looks back at you? Sister Cristello? <laughs> it won't be too long. No, it ain't happening yet. Just hush up. Give yourself a little bit of time. I'll never forget my, my wife's uncle, David. He was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. He was a, a, a warrant officer, which is the highest form of non-commissioned officer. He was shot down behind the enemy lines, survived a day and night, uh, and was rescued. Uh, he taught at Fort Benning, Georgia, young men to fly helicopters that were en route to Vietnam. He survived all of that. He spent a career in the United States Army. He was self-sufficient. He was fit. But when he humbled himself and he came to Christ, everything began to change in his life. Praise God. But they had a mirrored hallway uh, that you walk down from the bedroom to the living room. He got up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water. He was still sleepy, a little disoriented, and he saw himself out of the peripheral in that mirror. And he thought somebody was in the house. And he told his wife, my aunt and her aunt, rather, the next morning. You know what he told her? He said, I was walking down the hall last night. And there was this little old pot-bellied man in our house. And I thought, how did he get in here? And then I realized, that's me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Friend, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's coming. You know the best thing about getting old? Getting old. Amen? When I read the obituary of all the people in my 50th reunion, which was four years ago, my 50th high school reunion, when I read the obituary and prayed before we ate together that meal, number one, I was looking out at these geriatrics. I was looking out at all these old people, you know, and thinking to myself, where'd they all come from? I remember going to school with them. 
<laughs> Amen. But what hit me was I didn't know how many people had passed, and I saw names of close friends, one man in particular that I led to Jesus Christ. Amen. And I thought, I'm so glad he called me when he was in the hospital, and we prayed the sinner's prayer. I pray he followed through with that. I pray that I will see him when we get to heaven. But he's long gone. Amen. I read it, and I realized this is a short trip called life. Amen. But God offers us eternal life. And it is the premium that Jesus did for us. But it is not all that he did for us. You don't just strike the blood on the doorpost to escape the judgment, the death angel. You eat the lamb. And you don't eat it because you don't want to waste the meat. You eat it for a divine purpose. Everybody say a divine purpose. That's why we take the bread and the cup. If we leave out the body of Jesus, we just take the cup. But the body and the blood are always together. The shed blood, the broken body. Listen carefully. This, this is important. Jesus, our Passover. So this is a type then, isn't it? Of Jesus Christ and what he would do in our behalf. Listen. And you shall take of the blood, verse 7, strike it on the two side doorposts, the upper doorposts, the houses wherein they shall eat it, wherein they shall eat it, the house that you're going to eat the lamb in. You put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost. And they shall eat, here we are again, the blood has been applied. But there's something to be done. They shall eat the flesh in that night. They shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire and unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water. See, this is not some dish to cook up the meat so it's not wasted. This is something that is a type and a foreshadow of Jesus. But roast with fire, his head with his legs, and all the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until morning. Just like the manna, nothing which was a type of Christ. In other words, if you've got anything left over you didn't eat, you shall burn it with fire. It's not good the next day. It's on that day. This is the day. This is the time. Now is the time. Listen carefully. And thus shall ye eat it with your... Oh, listen. Deliverance is coming. Deliverance is coming. The blood is on the doorpost. They have eaten the body of the lamb. And how are you eating the body? Listen. This shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. Can you say, man, when you eat that lamb and you've already applied the blood and now you're partaking of the body, amen, eat it. You're in Egypt's bondage, but 
This is the key to your deliverance from Egypt's bondage. Can you say, man, Egypt is a type of the world and all of the blinding, binding things that it can do to a human being. But when you partake of the blood of Jesus and the broken body of Jesus, you will be set for eat it, ready to be delivered. Amen. You've been a slave. You can't imagine being free. But when you're eating this meal, amen, eat it with shoes on your feet. Amen. You're going out of here. Amen. Put your shoes on. How am I going to get out? Forget about it. There's blood on the doorpost and you are partaking of the body. Amen. Eat it with your loins girt about. You're getting ready to go somewhere. You're getting ready for a journey out of Egypt. So eat it ready to run and ready to roll. Man, you ought to come to church with your loins girt about with truth, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel on your feet, and ready to run for Jesus. Can you say, man, free from every bondage and every encumbrance? Hallelujah! I just can't sing, poor, poor, pitiful me. Poor Brother Venable, he prayed all those years and lost it. I haven't lost my son. My son is saved. And my I got up on the Monday morning after my son went to heaven. And the first thing I did when I prayed my son, my morning prayer every single day of my life, early I will I seek thee. I got up out of bed and I started to pray for my son. Just out of that habit that I had developed. And it hit me. I don't have to intercede for him anymore. He's saved. He went home wanting to go home. <laughs> he went home with Christ as his Lord and Savior. He is home. He's safe. The devil can't kill him like he tried to do all those years. Hallelujah. Death wasn't a, a defeat for my son. Oh, yes, he could have lived longer and done more for God. But nobody can stay down here forever. He had broken his body. His body had broken down. He had no faith for healing. He thought he brought it on himself. But one thing he had faith for, that my sins are forgiven. And Jesus is the Savior of my soul and the Sovereign of my life. He's my King. Can you say, man? Brother Vimba, do you miss Him every single day? But do you mourn? No. I sorrow not as others who have no hope. Thank God for the gates of pearl. Thank God for the streets of gold. Thank God more for the people that death couldn't conquer. That we've loved and we're going to continue to love them throughout all eternity. I think it'll be a long time before we start celebrating the gold streets. I think it'll be a thousand years before we get around to saying, you know, I never noticed those beautiful, beautiful stones over there. It's been a thousand, I've been here a thousand years and all I've been doing is hugging on Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And hugging on my loved ones that the devil said you'll never see them again. I win. No, you didn't because he won the battle at the cross. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. I'm glad. I, I'm a victor today. I'm a victor today. I'm a victor today. My son got saved. He came in. Hallelujah. 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 And you eat it ready to be set free. You eat it ready to be delivered. I believe I found one other benefit here other than just deliverance, but some specific deliverance. 
in a psalm that talks about their deliverance from Egypt, Psalm 105 in closing. This is important to me. If they're going to go out of there, they need to be more than girded with their clothing, their shoes on their feet. They need to be healthy enough to take a long journey through the wilderness toward Canaan. Everybody say they had to be healthy enough to leave. I love the first Ten Commandments they ever made. They're so much better now at CGI, amen, which is computer-generated, you know, graphics. But I love Charlton Heston as Moses. Every time I see something about Moses, I see Charlton Heston. I don't know what Moses looked like, but we'll see when we get there. He might look just like Charlton Heston. <laughs> First, but they did a good job of representing him. He was, he was, you know, he was revered and looked like a leader. And, and they did the Red Sea well. I thought they did that well. There's a, there's a te- made-for-television Ten Commandments that do it even better. But boy, I just love to see that Red Sea part. See God do something. Hallelujah. See God do something. Visibly, viably do something. No, He's not sitting aloof in His heaven. He's with His people to deliver us and help us down here. Hallelujah. But one thing I didn't pay any attention to then, but now I know is unbiblical. They had carts when they were walking out of Egypt. And the infirm, the sick, the diseased, the debilitated and the dilapidated, the old, too old to walk, were carried in those carts out of Egypt. Not biblical. Not so. Now this is something I believe. I believe the eating of that lamb had in it prescribed the way God said to eat it, to partake of it. That, 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 that blood was to escape death, representing spiritual death, but that lamb was for the body. You're supposed to eat all of it. Don't eat it again. It's a one-time thing like the manna. It's a done deal when it's a done. It's, when it's done, it's a done deal. You don't can it and sell it to people to get healed with. Can you say, man, you burn it with fire. It's a done deal. Listen, listen, there's something to that. There's something to that. There's something to that. You don't buy. You don't pay for healing today. It's a done deal. Can you say, man, come on, come on. It's a done deal. You were not redeemed by silver and gold. You were not healed by silver and gold. Silver and gold couldn't buy healing. Amen. After the tradition of your fathers, if you want something, you've got to pay a ransom. You've got to pay somebody to get it. No, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. They can hear me in the bathroom. Somebody might get saved. It wouldn't surprise me if somebody said I was in the bathroom. I started to get up and go on, but I was listening to the message. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me. God, we prayed on the way down here that 
we're coming here. Guess who's coming here because we're coming here. He's coming here. Guess who came in here because we came in here. He came in here. There's a dignified guest in this hotel today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to me. And I saw the infirm and I said, Lord, I just read something about your delivering of your people from Egypt. And it opened my eyes to the fact. Listen to it. I'm going to read it to you. We're going to receive Holy Communion. Build our faith for healing, deliverance, and help in our lives from our Heavenly Father. For Jesus, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Psalm 105. I could read the whole thing, but let me find the pertinent part here. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Verse 36. I'm going to read there. He smote all. Psalm 105, 36, he smote all the firstborn in their land, the chief of their strength. He smote all in, of the firstborn in their land, the chief of their strength. Now you understand this is the exodus. This is the coming out of Egypt. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. Now before we get just material minded, the reason He brought them forth with silver and gold is because he didn't want his people to be dependent on the pagan people around them to keep them. He wanted them to be independent. He didn't want them to be pressured to compromise with other cultures by disobeying their God to have the material blessings that they needed in their life. Can you say amen? He wants to bless you, not so you can blend with the world, but so you and I can not be dependent on the world. Amen. That doesn't mean we don't go to work. We don't receive a salary. It means that we're not going to compromise our faith to keep that job. We have a source beyond that. That means the kingdom will be first in our life. Because the king is first. It's a simple thing. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles see. See, they're not seeking God at all. They're just seeking things and we need the things and we need houses and lands and we need food and we need clothing. And it said your father already is way ahead of you. He knows what you have need of. And if you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things that the Gentiles seek that are not wrong in themselves, but wrong when you leave God out. God will grant to you. And you don't have to compromise your faith. And there are many Christians that are. The fear of man bringeth a snare. There's a trap in it. And when man is your source, it's a trap for the believer. It means I can't make it. I got to please him. I got to please them because I can't make it without them. Honey, I can't make it without him. Can you say, man, I can do without them. I found that out, but I can't make it without him. I've got to have his blessing, his help, his direction. And if you really want to be right with him, seek his righteousness. David said it, didn't he? I've never seen a righteous forsaken 
Oh, by the way, since we're talking about that in the Hebrew, it would be the uncompromisingly righteous. It's not these people that claim to be right with God and live in compromise. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Uncompromisingly right. Did you uh, pray with that person in the bathroom? Okay, thank you. Just wondering. <laughs> thank you. We, we put, that, put that up as a soul for Jesus. I, you know, we're kidding, but it could happen. It wouldn't take me back. wouldn't surprise me. Listen to me. God is good here today. Seek you first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take you no thought for your life. Put God first and don't sweat it. Put God first and don't worry about it. I'm young, David said, and I'm old, and I've never seen the uncompromisingly righteous forsaken, and I've never seen his seed out begging for bread. God will indeed make a way where there seems to be no way. He brings water out of a rock. He rains manna out of heaven. Amen. He, he multiplies fish and loaves and you don't have to compromise to have a roof over your head and clothes on your back can you say man oh here comes that part we're after Verse 36 of Psalm 105, He smote also the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was something that you can't buy with silver and gold. All the silver and gold in the world. And there was not. 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 And there was not one. Not one. Not one. Grandma, 115 years old. Somebody with crippling arthritis that couldn't get out of bed. There was not one. There was not one. There was not one. Say it with me, not one. Come on, God, don't do a halfway job when He delivers. God don't deliver you part of the way, some of the way, most of the way. He delivers you all of the way. Can you say, man, He don't save most of you. He saves the whole of you. Hallelujah. Sanctifies part of you. Oh, no. Sanctifies you holy, spirit, soul, and body. Can you say, man, glory be to God. And there was not one. We got to go back and fix that film. Can you say, man, hallelujah. We got to show somebody after they ingested that that lamb, hallelujah, getting up out of that bed, putting on their clothes, saying, Grandpa, you know you can't go with us. You know you'd be better off to leave you here. He said, what you talking about? <laughs> Amen. Amen. What you talking about? I feel like a spring chicken. <laughs> Come on. You want to run? You want to you wanna run with me? I'll show you how to run. Come on. Who you think you're talking to? Come on, come on, he's got his youth back, he's got his strength back. God has given him everything he needs for the journey because he ate the lamb. You know what? And there was not one feeble one, not one feeble one, not one feeble one, not one feeble one. God raised them all up, healed everybody that was sick, renewed everybody that was old. And listen, I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I'm going to live long enough to accomplish my, and finish my course. And after that, there's no point in staying here any longer. Can you say, man, 
Hallelujah. Praise God. But, but I'm going to live long enough. When I go, you can say he finished his course. Fought a good fight. Kept the faith. Finished his course. Can you say amen? And in the meantime, I'm going to need some repairs. I'm going to need some preventive maintenance. Come on. <laughs> Come on. If your car is going to, going to, going to make it to 150,000, how many's got a car with over 100,000 on it? What? Over a hundred? Have you had to do anything to it? Just minor stuff, right? Nothing really big. Did you ever change the oil in it? Oh, yes, we did. Amen. Listen, I'm going to need some fixing along the way if I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to need some help and I'm going to need some healing. Thank God. Thank God. I went into a, a, to, to a, a, what is it, the subway the other day. There was a man standing there, and he looked about my age. You know, he had white hair, what was left of it, and he had a beard. And, and, and he, he, he just, you know, he, he had a big pot belly, and, and which is okay, you know, because I'm getting mine. I got one under this coat, something under there. If you were looking for a six-pack, you know, I, I, I looked for my belly button the other day, and I said, I know I had a belly button. I, it was there a few years ago. I could see. Anyway, it was back in somewhere. Now it's an Audi. I used to have an Innie, and now it's an Audi. It finally came out of where it was because something inside is pushing it out. I, I think I'm beginning to suffer from an acute case of cornbread consumption. <laughs> Resulting in severe abdominal protrusion. <laughs> Cherie, give me a fist bump. I love you. I love you. Praise God. I love you today. As we close, this service, get ready for communion. There was not one feeble one among them. So First Peter 2.24 said, Who himself bear our sins in his own body with and what was the sin sacrifice? It's always the sin offering is the sprinkling of the blood. When he bare our sins, he shed his blood that we could be forgiven. There's the blood on the doorpost. Christ, our Passover, who bare our sins in his own body, nailing him to the cross, the blood streaming down. And with his stripes, we were at Calvary. At the provision was made. It's not something for God to decide when we petition him. It's something he's already decided when he sent his son to die for us. Because he knew we're going to need help down here. Until we finish our course. And that's why James 5.14 says. Is there any sick among you? A provision has been made. Today it's a vague thing. We have no idea. God may have in fact made you sick. To teach you something. If I did that. To teach my children. They'd take my children from me. And put me in jail. Did you hear what I'm telling you? If I. In order to teach my son that not to play with fire, 
burn, put third-degree burns over his hand while I held it over a fire. I did that to teach him. I show him how much I love him. So I'm, I, I'm doing this thing. You know what they do to me? They take him first to get him out because I'm not, I'm not a good father. That's not love. That's not how you love your children. He chastens the people he loves. He doesn't torture them. There's difference. My daddy whipped me too, but it helped me. Even though there's some little stripe on my leg. When we put God in that category, we kill faith to believe Him, to be healed and to be helped. The lady that called me that I've told you about, and I thought she went up for prayer because she says she has, the doctor has told her she has an incurable disease. It will eventually debilitate her and it will destroy her eventually. And in the meantime, there's a progression of it. And so she went for prayer. I mean, James 5.14, if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders. She's following a biblical pattern so far. Let them anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. When I went to pray for Charles, I took this with me. We had a big bottle at church, kept falling over. I got a little bottle I can put in my pocket. Hallelujah. Praise God. I got it in my pocket. I'm an elder. Call for me. I got oil. If you want to go through, if if you want to receive what has been provided, and there was no if, there was no and, there was no but, there was no maybe. If there be, these are covenant children. These are God's children. The blood has established a better covenant established on better promises than that of bulls and goats. If there be any sick among you. Oh, but wait a minute. God has, has, is, is doing something over here in that person that, that he's, no. If, if sickness humbles you, if sickness gets you more dependent, if sickness gets your attention, God can use your attention. But he didn't bring the sickness to get it. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing some. No, no, no. Come on. If we're going to get in the Bible, let's get in the Bible. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You mean sickness has the devil sometimes is doing and creating a lot of this? Yes, he is. Hath not this woman, he heals a woman that's a, a, a Jew. She comes into the temple to worship. She can't stand up straight. She's bowed and broken all over. And he heals her immediately. And they said, he's healing on the Sabbath day. He tells them about the ox in the ditch. And you know the story. But listen to this part. Ought not this woman a daughter of Abraham. Whom Satan hath bound, lo, these many years, receive her healing and perfect soundness before you all. Do you know what the word ought means? It means owe to. God don't owe me nothing. I owe him everything. He owes you everything he's promised you. And he's glad, glad to back up his word if we will be strong enough in faith to take hold of it today. Amen? Amen. Ought not this woman? Doesn't the covenant say that this is owed to her? She's a covenant woman. 
And when a sorrow from an Eastern woman comes and, and she asks for healing for her daughter that's vexed of a devil, he said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. She falls down and worships him and says, true Lord. She's not claiming the covenant, but she's exhibiting faith. And he's going to say, you know, I'm, you can get healed without claiming the covenant. You're not a covenant woman. But look at the faith. You can get your daughter delivered from demonic possession and influence. True, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs. First, it's not meat to take the children's bread, that that belongs to the children, and give it to dogs. You don't have a covenant. You're not a Jew. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, no, see, he hadn't been to the cross. Once he got through with the cross, there's neither Jew nor Greek. Bond or free, we become one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they over the household of faith are the seed of Abraham by faith. And the blessings of faithful Abraham have come upon them. You've got a covenant with God. It's a blood covenant. And it's more than the bulls and goat blood covenant. It's the blood of Jesus himself. Hallelujah. Praise God. She says, true Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He said, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. When, you get, when she got home, it was a done deal. She, didn't, she wasn't a child. She couldn't claim child benefits and blessings we're the children of god we cry abba father we're abraham's seed we shouldn't be under the table looking for a crumb we should be at the table feasting upon his provision oh it's so good to, to not leave church like this oh lord everybody's getting blessed but me Lord, I don't know why you're blessing everybody else. You won't bless me. Or is there anything down here? Just I don't want your crumb. No, no. She got it looking for crumbs. He spread the table for us. And the defeat amongst Christians cannot be denied. So when this poor lady... She came through our church before she moved to another state and got in whatever church she's in. She came before her pastor. She called the elders. She called for prayer. Because without God intervening, she's going to live her life with a degenerative disease. No hope and no help from above. And the doctor said we can treat the disease, but... You'll never be free from it. That's a bleak thing. Doctors are grim. They got a good reason to be grim because they can only do so much. I got a doctor that can do it all. <laughs> Hallelujah. And to what really makes you hopeless is not after the doctor tells you that. It's after your pastor tells you what he told her. I don't believe God wants to heal you. I believe this disease has come on you to teach you something. 
that message is killing people. And it's not because God isn't faithful. It's because we haven't been taught to have faith in him. And as your faith, be careful what you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful even when you're reading the Bible, you don't let the devil twist it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I told this dear sister, I said, you know where I stand. I said, that's not the God that I declare. You've been in our ministry. You've been in our church. You know what we preach, what we teach, and what we demonstrate and what we live. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Sometimes God takes you through the surgery, surgery safely. Sometimes he delivers you and you don't go through the surgery. But one thing is for sure. God is still Jehovah Rophi. God is still a healer. And Jesus has paid for it at the cross. So if there be any sick among you, let them call the elders. There's their faith. There's their faith. Hallelujah. And let the elders then anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. A time will come when you've finished your course and then it's time to go home. And you'll know it. You won't be calling for the elders. You'll be looking for the angels. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. It's true. My son couldn't wait to go to heaven. He said, in other words, don't pray for me to stay here. I want to go home. I want to go home like granddad. I'm going to go to sleep here and wake up there and it's all behind me. And that's exactly what happened. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this today? Are you ready for Holy Communion? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I hope you did, but it's going up on the website. Amen. Somebody's going to pull their chair up to the table. Somebody's going to get saved out there. Somebody's going to get healed out there. You know why? Because God's word never returns void. It never comes back without accomplishing a purpose. And it's going out after this morning. Praise the Lord. Will you help us be served Holy Communion? God bless you for being a wonderful, wonderful audience today. I've enjoyed sharing the word with you. And I'm going to enjoy eating this meal with you. Hallelujah. We're past our time for keeping it brief. If you ever get sick unto death and you need help from God, this is going to be time well spent. When we leave here today, our responsibilities are going to fall heavy upon us. All the distractions of a faulty body and a fallen world are going to come to us. But this is quality time in the Word that can bring the faith to receive. And it may even shock you and surprise you when you see that mountain and instead of saying, oh, Lord, look at that obstacle in my life. It's so intimidating, filling me with trepidation and fear. And instead of cowering before it, you speak to it and say, be thou removed. And you won't doubt in your heart, 
that what you say is going to happen because he said it first in his word. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It's not your personal authority to just speak things as if you were God. It's your privileged authority to speak what he has spoken in his word and boldly proclaim, thus saith the Lord. Can you say, man, God's going to heal somebody in this room of something that you may have thought he doesn't want to heal you. You're not worthy of healing. It's not your worthiness. It's the worthiness of his blood that was shed in your behalf and his body that was beaten and tortured in your behalf. Same night as he was betrayed, we got a little wafer to represent it, and that's just fine. But he took a loaf of bread, and he tore it in half. It wasn't cut into neat little slices for protecting. He tore it in half because it represented what was going to happen to his physical body on the way to and on the cross. And he said, this is my body that's torn for you. You may break the emblem if you like. He said his office, eat ye all of it, just like eating the lamb. <sighs> eat all of it. It's a done deal. You don't need anything tomorrow or the next day. It's a done deal. Hallelujah. And every time you do this, do it. In remembrance of me. You may eat. Thank you Lord. With your stripes. With your stripes. Your wounds. I thank you. That I can be healed today. I thank you the days of miracles are not over. I thank you the God of miracles still sits upon the throne and reaches out to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He took the cup. He lifted it up and said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the sins of many. The body has been recognized its part, the breaking of the body. Now the shedding of the blood. The shedding of the blood for the sins of many. As often as you drink this cup, you do show, S-H-E-W, you do proclaim publicly his death in your behalf until I come. And here we are in the 21st century proclaiming we are saved because of his broken body. His shed blood. We are healed and delivered and set free because of his broken body and his shed blood. Let's seal it in this memorial service that we never forget. We are in covenant with a holy, loving, powerful, delivering, saving, keeping God. Hallelujah. You may drink the cup. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, I thank you. Will you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want you to just reach over and touch someone near you or if you're close enough to just hold their hand. Someone near you. Someone near you.
Thank you, Father. I remember when my mother-in-law, before she really, I remember when she came to the Lord. My father-in-law came to the Lord, grew in, grew in the Lord under our ministry. But I remember when she went to an evangelistic service and it seems everyone was falling out under the power and people were being healed right and left. And she hasn't come into her personal relationship with the Lord where her faith in God had developed. And though she sat in a room where there was evidence of God's anointing all around her, people being slain in the spirit, people confessing healings, people being blessed. She said, I felt like I was in an isolation booth. Remember when $64,000, you don't remember this, $64,000 question. They're going to ask a question. You can't hear what's, what the audience is hearing, so they put you in a soundproof booth. And she remembered that. She said, I felt like the person in the room that did not somehow qualify for what everybody else was receiving. And you know the devil wants to put you in that booth. He wants to lock that door and say, well, it's all right for Brother Venable. It's all right for Sister Venable. It's all right for this one and that one, but not me. He wants to try to disqualify you from the children's bread. But, honey, it's just as much yours as it is mine. The only difference in you and me is I know what is mine. I I read the scripture. I believe the Bible. I don't listen to anybody that says anything different. And I don't care how big their church is. And I don't care if they call themselves prophet, prophetess, evangelist. I don't care if they've been to Bible college and have high degrees. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a faith issue. This isn't about all of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's no point in us praying another prayer for anyone who is sick. Like we're praying for Brother Hobbs. And my wife wrote him and he wrote back and we had a, at least a correspondence with him. He needs help from above. He needs healing. And he needs what we need. We need to be exposed to the word of God that will develop the faith to be healed. Can you say amen? Some of you, the devil is trying to disqualify because he knows if he doesn't, if, if you don't let him do that, and you'll have to let him. You'll have to give him ground to do that. I remember, I remember, I remember when my mother-in-law came out of that isolation booth. I remember before she went home to be with the Lord when her faith became strong. When she began to share Jesus with her next door neighbor. Praise God. God and he's a crusty old dude amen but she's sharing Jesus with him praise God I remember her telling me Bobby Bobby I just love my little apartment I get up every morning and thank God for it I'm not a bit afraid of going to heaven I'm ready to go home when the Lord calls me I, Bobby would you just pray amen that 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 I won't suffer of course that's what we all want what but there was a grace on her there was 
a grace on her. She didn't complain. I looked at, you know, as her body deteriorated, I thought, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> There's got to be grace on her. There was. That grace was all over her. That faith was all in her. Hallelujah. She went sweetly home after going through a little small period of, of deterioration. But she went home in peace, perfect peace with the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Get out of that isolation booth. Get under the Word of God. Get the Word of God in your household. Start applying it in your life. Come to communion service and, and eat of His body and drink of His blood. Not just the tokens, but absolute spiritually partaking of all that He is and all that He's done for you at the cross. Whew. That's going to get rid of this victim attitude. Can I tell you something in love? You are not a victim. You may feel like one. You may look like one. You know, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. No, you're not a duck, even if you quack like one. <laughs> you're not a duck, even if you waddle like one. You are a child of the Most High God. And you have a chair reserved for you at the Master's table. And we used to sing it in camp meeting. Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed. And He bids us come and dine. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to be setting a table down here next Sunday. I pray you'll come and dine. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, as we touch one another here today, we're in this together. We're in this together. We want to come out of Egypt as a, as a family of God, as a covenant people of God. Not one left behind, not one feeble, not one unable to accept and receive the full deliverance that you came to give. But, Father, that we might walk until our bodies give out. When they give out, we'll finish our course. We'll go home to live with you. But until then, we're looking to you for our help. We're looking to you for our healing, our strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, heal the sick in this room today. Heal those that are brokenhearted in this room today. Let faith begin to grow in this room today. And let this idea of being a victim go from our minds today. Let us see our Yourself as you see us, as your beloved sons and daughters, in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah. 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 You've just invested some time in your own deliverance, your own help, and your own healing. I hope you don't resent it as you go to eat the fat and drink the sweet.